0: Welcome back to the Health Call Radio Hour. If you've got a question, you don't have to give blood to get the answer. Just drop us a line on the Health Call website at healthcall.live. That's healthcall.live. Or message us on the Health Call Facebook page. Now, back to health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Well,
1: not to be creepy here, but let's step into your bathroom for just a moment. If your house is like mine, there's a good chance quite a few moisturizers, skincare products of various forms, and makeup are on the bathroom counter. My wife has an impressive collection going. Not really sure what they all do, but she looks great, so something's working, right? Dermatologist Dr. Fain Fry wrote a book called The Skincare Hoax, how we're being tricked into buying lotions, potions, and wrinkle creams. She says all these products cause us to put dozens, if not hundreds, hundreds of chemicals on our skin every day. A recent report claimed some of these chemicals are the so-called forever chemicals, things that just don't break down easily and are suspected of disrupting our endocrine system, leading to type 2 diabetes, even cancer. So that's my first question for Dr. Fry. Just how big a threat are these forever chemicals?
2: Uh, yeah, they're ubiquitous. They're used in many industries. Uh, you might know them as Scotchgard or Teflon. These are, it's, it's a pre or, or, or polyfluoroalkyl substances that are used also in cosmetics intentionally. And sometimes they're breakdown products of other PFAS, as we call them for short. Um, they add consistency and texture to products uh, and um, they're being used less and less, which is good. The concern, of course, is that they are very, very stable. They have what's called a carbon fluoride bond, and they're very difficult, resistant to oil and water and heat. So they last, um, not forever, but they last for, for, for a very long time. Uh, of course, the concern is that they build up in the environment and then we, we, we get exposed to them.
1: Yeah. So that makes sense. That's that, that explains why they'd be helpful in lipstick and mascara and those products. I get that. But I just saw a study that said there is increasing uh, awareness of metabolites of these chemicals in our systems. And so a metabolite is after your body breaks them down, it produces these leftovers. And they're seeing an increase in type 2 diabetes and some other conditions in women using these. Uh, so, can you tell me more about the efforts to get them off the market and how would I know if they're in my products?
2: Well, first, you have to be clear, the science is really in its infancy and there's no really great studies that are associating these this buildup with, with any disease state to date. Um, and also, Lee, another really great concept we have to talk about before you talk about this chemical or any other is the concept of dose and toxicity. You know, that we have a lot of ingredients and in, in, in medicines that we use uh, on a daily basis that you would argue are unhealthy in high doses. But as any uh, scientist who studies poisons and, and harsh chemicals knows, there's always a concentration of any chemical where it's harmless. So, of course, we need the studies, and I'm all for great studies, as is everybody. I'm, I'm, I think I speak for most, certainly most dermatologists, most scientists. But a great example would be um, botulism toxin. Uh, If you inject 3,000 units, you will die of botulism. Yet there's over 3 million injections of of Botox a year. That's botulism toxin. So it's not only harmless, you might even find it beneficial. So we talk about these PFAS. The concern with those is they don't break down. So you worry about the long-term accumulation. Uh, Again, with this particular uh, ingredient. But before you discuss any harm of any... Uh, ingredient or compound. You really have to understand the dose versus the toxicity. Um, And that's something most people don't take into consideration.
1: So I have read that uh, several states and even there's a bill in Congress right now to get these things completely out of the makeup stream. Is there a way for me to know if what I'm using contains these PFAS chemicals?
2: the intentional ones that are listed, you know, you'll see them in the back. Is uh, I think it's called PTOF. There's several of them, but again, most cosmetic companies are removing them um, voluntarily. The we don't know because not every not every manufacturer is volunteering their their information to the FDA. It's now a volunteer um, process. But of the ones who are volunteering, when this process started in 2019, there were about 500 plus products that had. Uh, PFOs in them. And uh, I think the most recent number is down to over 200. So companies are voluntarily removing these PFOs chemicals from their products. Um, And I think over time, I think uh, any reputable company is going to do just that.
1: So what I'm hearing from you, what I might take away here is uh, it's something maybe we ought to be concerned about, but nothing to freak out over.
2: I would not freak out over it whatsoever. um, Right now, I think the studies are worth looking into. I think pulling them back because you don't that you can formulate really great products without them. Um, And I believe really reputable companies are gonna do that.
1: So I wanna talk a little bit about an important concept that your book covers, and that is, um, what are really cosmetics as opposed to medications or, therapeutic treatments, as particularly as it applies to wrinkle creams. What do I need to know about this?
2: Well, you need to know that a cosmetic, by definition, is any product that intends to beautify or adorn. The intent is not to change the structure or function of any organ. In this case, we're talking about the skin. So if you're a manufacturer, it is incumbent upon you to sell a safe product. It is your responsibility to do that. Um, Yet the intent of that product cannot be to permanently change the structure or function of any um, of the skin in this case. It's also can't be used uh, intended to prevent, treat or mitigate a disease. And if it did any any of those things by law, it's a drug. And the reason that's an issue is because as a drug, it gets pre-market approval. It has to prove safety and efficacy before it goes to market, which is not the case with cosmetics. So um, the overwhelming majority of these anti-wrinkle creams you're going you're, you're inquiring about, these are cosmetics, which by law are not intending to really permanently change the structure or function of the skin.
1: So these products I see advertised, and they are everywhere yeah. to talk about uh, smoothing skin and eliminating wrinkles and removing crepiness. Sure. Um, do they
2: work? Well, as moisturizers. Now, a moisturizer is a a product that helps the skin increase its water content. I like to use imagery of a a raisin. If you take a raisin and you pump water into it, you you get a grape. It's temporary, and we could argue it's anti-wrinkle or it's not. It's a wonderful hydration effect. Uh, You certainly can say it decreases the appearance of those fine lines on that raisin. Um, and I believe that those anti-wrinkle creams, I don't care whether there's retinol or niacinamide or whether there's uh, your peptides, um, coenzyme Q—you can I can sit here and rattle off a whole bunch of these marketing ingredients. I think they're added to satisfy the claim that it's an anti-wrinkle cream, but how well that product really works, in, from my experience, is how well it acts as a moisturizer.
1: Okay, so treat your skin like a raisin, puppet full of moisture, and you'll smooth out the wrinkles. Kind of makes sense. Did you notice how Dr. Fry just ticked off a bunch of ingredients there? She's kind of like a chef. Knowing what ingredients go together to create a particular texture or taste a certain way makes all the difference. Same thing with skincare products. If you know what the ingredients do, you can pick a product that gives you the results you're looking for and spend less money doing it. That's right. She says you can save lots of money and still have smooth skin if you know what to look for. So stay with us as we examine some of my wife's skincare products to learn whether hyaluronic acid, peptides, and such are on the label for any reason other than causing you to buy them. More with Dr. Fain Fry, the author of The Skincare Hoax, next on the Health Call Radio Hour.
0: This is the Health Call Radio Hour, where treatments are always free, the stethoscope is never cold, and you don't have to wear an exam gown. Now, back to health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Okay, I admit it, I'm sort of a data nerd.
1: So for today's segment with Dr. Fane Fry, the author of The Skin Care Hoax, I checked what the average person spends on skincare items. The biggest monthly total, the most money goes to facial cleansers, something you might use twice a day. They rank number one. Moisturizers are very common, but they rank third in terms of total spend. Number two is facial anti aging creams. Even though you might use them sparingly, these products tend to be more expensive. The label says they contain fancy-sounding ingredients, but dermatologist Dr. Fry says look closely at where those ingredients rank on the list of contents, and that's your clue that wrinkle creams may be part of the skincare hoax. So
2: hyaluronic acid is a uh, it's a mucopolysaccharide. It's a sugar-based molecule. And the overwhelming majority of your soft tissue in your body is comprised of hyaluronic acid. So it's a natural component of your body. It's a very large molecule, and so it's not going to penetrate into the those 20 top layers, which are very functional, but non-living. But as a large molecule, it's not going to get through, unfortunately. But that doesn't mean it doesn't have benefit in formulation. So hyaluronic acid has an amazing ability to hold on to a lot of water. And we call that in cosmetic chemistry, we call that um, as a chemist who produces or or somebody who would produce formulations, a humectant. These are ingredients that retain water. And then we have other ingredients called occlusives that that create a film so that the water can't evaporate. Hyaluronic acid has a great ability to hold on to water. So in a moisturizer, it's a very effective humectant. But it's an expensive product to buy hyaluronic acid, and so, in my opinion, it increases the the cost of the product versus using something like glycerin, which is a very inexpensive and also a very effective um, humectant, which by the way is also inherent in skin um, naturally.
1: Okay, let's walk down that path. That's really interesting. So if I If I want to find a moisturizer that's going to be effective Mm -hmm. and inexpensive, you're suggesting glycerin over hyaluronic acid.
2: Yes, I am. And if you look at the first really simple rules, the 90 to 95% of any moisturizer, anti-aging cream, anti-wrinkle cream, the first four or five ingredients will constitute about 95% of that product. Now, I can almost guarantee the first product is going to be water and it's probably going to be 70 to 80% water. The next ingredient is likely going to be a humectant or an occlusive. Glycerin is a good one to look for. Uh, that occlusive, that uh, film former is a, a great one to look for is petroleum um, petroleum jelly, or it might be called petrolatum when it's put in solution as part of a formulation. And everybody knows water and oil don't mix. So the fourth or fifth or sixth ingredient is likely going to be something called an emulsifier, which keeps that water and oil component together. Uh, satiral alcohol is a very common one that you might see.
1: Yeah, I have seen that mentioned. So I went through my uh, the, the bathroom <laughs> shelf and cabinet, you know, at my house and uh, pulled off some things I wanted just to just ask you about that my wife uses on a regular basis. Okay. So here is one, uh, a face cream. I won't mention the brand name, but it says it contains vitamin C and hyaluronic acid. We just talked about hyaluronic acid, obviously. Mm-hmm. What is vitamin C? What role does it play?
2: Well, vitamin C is an antioxidant. Uh, It's a very unstable ingredient, unfortunately. It's a a charged molecule. It's not going to penetrate. There are some studies that do show when applied on the surface and then exposed to ultraviolet light, especially in the presence of vitamin E, you might protect some of the very surface cells that, again, that are not living and functional. Um, But for vitamin C to be really stable, it has to be in a product that's got a very low pH, around three, three and a half, which is pretty acidic. Uh, it's not stable. The minute it sees the light and it's on the skin, it's likely breaking down. Uh, and I imagine if you look on that ingredient listing, you're going to see whatever the vitamin C component is very, it's not going to be one of the first four or five ingredients. It's probably going to be one of the last ingredients. You might see ascorbic acid, um, uh, palmitate, maybe you'll see, um,
1: yeah, you're absolutely right. It is next to last. Next to product, last, so
2: it's going to satisfy the, the claim. List. All right, and look at the first four or five ingredients on there. What do you see?
1: Uh, let's see. Water. There as you go. You suggested. It is your
2: seventy percent?
1: Carthamus. Carthamus. Tinctorious. That's an oil. Safflower seed oil. Yeah, that's an oil. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's you're your right. That's
2: your occlusive.
1: Cetyl alcohol.
2: Yeah, that's your emulsifier. That's keeping the water and oil together.
1: Glycol sterate.
2: There you go. You see, so if, if you look at all these, th- this is formulated like a moisturizer. H- how big is that container?
1: Uh, let's see. It is 110 grams, four ounces.
2: Four ounces. Okay. So, And how much does that cost? Do you know?
1: I don't know. Uh, I'll have to check that. Maybe I can put the price <laughs> well, up on the screen. Multiply
2: it by four and that's what you pay per pound. So it, it, again, these are moisturizers that are tagged as anti-wrinkle, anti-aging, but pr- primarily Primarily formulated like a moisturizer.
1: So another one here has, uh, this is really, I I was surprised by this one, rapid firming peptide. What is a peptide?
2: Well, it's another great marketing tool. So peptides in a Petri dish are, they're chains of amino acids and they they communicate with cells to make some physiologic change. And they do do that in the Petri dish. But remember, those top 20 layers of non-living cells are designed to keep out things like peptides. And so for a charged molecule like a peptide, sometimes they're large, sometimes they're small, but the ability for them to penetrate through those 20 layers, through another 60 layers of viable tissue of epidermis into a lower level of dermis, it's just not doable. So in my opinion, they're great in a Petri dish, but when actually used in customary conditions, again, this is a cosmetic, um, it's it's a moisturizer.
1: And that's all it's going to be is just a moisturizer. And look
2: and the, see where the peptide is on that ingredient. I bet that's at the very end, too, because they're fairly expensive ingredients.
1: Uh, you know what? This one doesn't seem to have an ingredient list. Uh,
2: maybe Not, on the box. Sometimes if they're small, yeah. they're on, they're found on the box.
1: Okay. Uh, so, and I've noticed some of these products contain a a clay, bet, betonite, bentonite? Yeah, bentonite.
2: Clay? Made in bentonite, Wyoming. It's a common clay from a place. Huh. And so it's a common, that's where it got its name from, I believe.
1: And what am I? What purpose is that? Is that just filling in cracks and and little pores? What's it
2: doing? Uh, a clay, or what they call phyllosilicates with aluminum, magnesium. It's been used in skincare for eons. I mean, eons and eons. I have no medical evidence to show it's beneficial when applied on the skin whatsoever. Um, but it's commonly found. Again, if you look in products, it's not one of the first four or five ingredients.
1: I keep reading about crepiness uh, and I I get it. I know what they're talking about, crepey skin. Mm -hmm. Is there really anything that can be done about that?
2: Uh, Crepey skin is a result of just the breakdown of skin from from getting older, sun exposure, loss of fat. Uh, As we get older, we lose subcutaneous fat. Uh, Dry skin, so you would moisturize. Again, a raisin uh, turned into a grape. The grape Mm -hmm. is plumper. It's temporary, but it definitely will enhance the appearance of skin. But to date, there is nothing to treat what you consider crepiness or the wrinkling of skin as we age.
1: If I uh, am losing collagen, mm-hmm. can I take more collagen in through supplementation? And will that make a difference in my skin?
2: So collagen is a protein. And when you eat it, it in the stomach, it's broken down into, by proteases in the stomach into components and into those little amino acids, which are then um, absorbed. You would be just as well having a piece of steak.
1: But does it help my skin? Is that ever going to get no, to no, where no, it? no?
2: There's no evidence that it helps your skin, unfortunately.
1: So all of this stuff that we're buying, as your as your title implies, is just marketing and gimmickry to get us to spend ridiculous amounts of money.
2: Look, these are great companies making great products, but they want market share, and they advocate for shareholders. That's what good companies do. Uh, they do try to push the limits when it comes to cosmetic and drug. But unfortunately, to date, um, there has not been a, an ingredient that can reverse the aging process. We don't even know why we age. There's, there are scientists all over trying to understand why we age. So to say that you can put an ingredient in a product that's a cosmetic, not intended to change the skin or any organ, for that matter, permanently. Um, yeah, it's a lot of marketing. And marketing, Lee, is really powerful.
1: Well, you can say that again, right? The website she mentioned there is FryFace.com, and I'll have it for you in the show notes. The product selector you'll find there is easy to use, and it helps you find affordable, effective products that fit a variety of skin types and special needs. If you order online, Dr. Fane Fry does receive an Amazon commission, but she says she donates all of that to charity. The bottom line, if you use an expensive product and you like it, you like what it does for your skin, heck, go with it. As long as you know what you're buying and why, and you're not being tricked by some snazzy label with empty promises, be happy and look your best. I hope you heard something helpful today. You can visit healthcall.live, our website, and join our mailing list. Again, that's healthcall.live. I'll send you one email per week and let you know what's coming up on the next episode of the Health Call Radio Hour. We'll see you next week.
0: You've been listening to the Health Call Radio Hour. The discussion of conditions and treatments on this program is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment by a healthcare professional who knows you and your health needs. Find the podcast of today's episode wherever you get your podcasts or watch extended video versions of today's interviews on the Health Call website at healthcall.live. While you're there, drop us a line to ask a question or suggest a topic for a future broadcast. Join us each week on this station for another edition of the Health Call Radio Hour.